Welcome to the show where we interview our network of B2B SaaS experts. In this episode, Misha Hernandez, founder and CEO at Worker, on the evolution of software containers technology to build, deploy, and iterate faster. This is the Notion Capital Podcast, hosted by Paul Papadimitriou. Hi, and today I have Misha with me, or should I address you as Mies? Mies is perfectly fine. Thanks for having me. So tell me, who are you? So my name is uh, Misha Mies Hernandez van Leuven. I am the CEO and founder of of Worker, W-E-R-C-K-E-R. So it's spelled in a sort of European Germanic way, but it's pronounced as Worker. And what does it do? So Worker is a platform and tool that helps developers build, develop, and deploy containerized applications. We'll get there in a minute because I want to know first, which I do with all the people I interview, why you and why did you get there? Can you tell us a little bit about your background? I'm sort of like a hybrid. I'm a hybrid business and computer science person. My formal education is in in both. I have a master's in business administration and a master in uh, computer science. I've been a developer for uh, for quite some time. Were you an employee or did you found other companies before? No. So this is my first, I'd say, like formal startup. But yeah, I was a part-time developer beforehand uh, during my studies and a programmer at at an agency. Why come from that background and decide to do a startup? So it sort of goes hand in hand, both like my, my computer science education and working as a developer. So as a developer, sort of I ran into a bunch of problems, including sort of setting up, you know, the build and uh, deploy pipelines. This is a, a while back before there were really containers around, containers that we uh, sort of use in, on a daily basis, I guess, because containers have been around for like for quite some time. Solaris uh, zones and uh, FreeBSD jails, they've been around. So yeah, I had some issues as a, as a developer sort of setting up and automating my my build and deploy pipelines. At the same time, I was studying computer science, uh, finishing that up. And uh, for my thesis, I decided to go to San Francisco, finish up my thesis at USF. And that whole thesis centered around using containers, uh, LXE at the time. That's sort of how those two worlds came together. So basically, you wanted to do your own job easier. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, doing the job of developers easier. Can you, I'm going to play the candidate a little bit. Can you explain maybe what a container is for those who don't know? Sure. So the way usually I explain it is looking at the history of developer abstractions. So like a while back, 2000s, you know, the way to to build and deploy your uh, your application was sort of like a single single web application, PHP or something, deploy to a a server via FTP. Usually it was before VM, so it was a, a bare metal server. And then sort of Amazon Web Services came around, virtual machines came around, sort of a smaller level of granularity. Uh, We got multi-tiered apps, right, sort of trying to split up the database layer and the application layer. And now we're even sort of in a smaller version of the world whereby we have containers as sort of the way to to package your application and sort of the, the way of splitting up your app is now called like microservices, like splitting up different responsibilities of your, your application into, into smaller bits. And that allows a more rapid development built and of course deployment. Yeah, exactly. So the n- nice thing about containers is that you know they're smaller, they're portable. I can run them on my laptop, can run them on my server, sort of run them, share them with other people. And yeah, rapidly iterate on them. But you've started your company, your startup in 2011, if I'm not mistaken, so correct? Or late, were you funded? Late, in- late 2012, and we got funded. The first seed round happened in uh, 2013. At that moment in time, we were on LXE. So that was sort of the precursor to uh, Docker, which is you know, a nice container technology, but Docker definitely made it more usable and uh, you know, got this whole container thing going. 
Because that's my question. So meaning, since you've started now three years ago, the technology is, has evolved. So you were probably had to evolve and iterate within your own startup yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. So like I said, we were previously on, on LXC, which is a, a different container technology. Uh, and early versions of Docker were based on LXC as well. Yeah, so there's a couple of things that we did, and this is again before Docker came around, we allowed people to create their own containers, sort of package them with their favorite programming language or favorite build tools or favorite libraries and or favorite database and upload them to our sort of marketplace. So we were early in the game in the whole container world. And then Docker came around, it was like, okay, this makes way more sense to use. But yeah, we had to adapt to, to rewrite actually our some of our infrastructure to, to use Docker instead of LXE. But do you think that today in the developer world, do you think that the tools that are mostly widely used, are they still, uh, I was about to use the term dinosaur, but are they still used for a very a monolithic approach to applications? Or do you see it actually changing? Yeah, so I think that that is slowly changing. But the key thing is, of course, like if you're like a, a startup or a company with like two or three developers, you usually will start out building your application in a monolithic way because it's just easier. But as you grow larger, it makes more sense to not only from a, like a technical perspective and split up your applications into into different responsibilities, but also you know from a sort of business and organizational perspective, you you know you don't want to step on each other's toes if you're like a, a twenty people engineering team, right? So it makes sense to sort of designate. Well, you work on the authentication layer, I'll work on the database layer. You know, somebody works on the, on the front end and have different responsibilities, and as such, also have like different microservices or services that build these things. That makes me think of two questions. The first is how many, so what kind of engineers do you have yourself and do they step on each other's toes within your own startup? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. So yeah, we have around, so everybody's actually an engineer. So everybody writes code to some extent. So we have like a more backend team, sort of API team, and then front end team. They each have their own sort of area of expertise and, and um, you know, write code in that designated area. Uh, and they're not, no, they're, I wouldn't say they're step on each other's code. We've, we've got a nice setup. Yeah. And what about you, your role? Are you still coding? I try to code. Um, being the CEO, I write less and less code. Uh, I do more businessy things, uh, such as fundraising, which is always fun. Um, but I do, I do try to keep up and obviously like, use the products because I'm as CEO, I'm sort of the, the product manager on a high level, right? But also try to sort of do some greenfield new projects uh, that come to mind and try to prototype them. Can you tell me what is a typical company you would sell that to? Or what is a typical company that would adopt it nowadays? Is that a, like you just mentioned that early stage startups might just be monolithic because that's easier and they want to just focus on one single thing. So what time do you get in and do you start? Does it make sense basically to talk to you? We see traction in uh, obviously startups. So uh, companies working on you know one specific product. You know, Usually the team size is around four to five or all the way up people in a team. And then the other type of companies that we see are more uh, agency type companies. So companies working on multiple projects. And these are usually like larger, larger teams and organizations. But at the same time, we also have like very large companies like Pivotal using us as well. Do you think it's easier for you to talk to developers driven startups? Well, yeah, I think developers are taking the world over the world uh, anyway. So (laughs) yeah, that definitely, that's, that's an easy conversation to have. At the same time, also sort of developers that you know are are looking into Docker, looking into building microservices, sort of what we call like modern cloud developers. Yeah, that's obviously a good fit for us. So the follow up question is that do you still have a lot of education to do the market? Yeah, I think the whole container movement and sort of the Docker movement. It's it's all a microservice as well, and 
you know, at, at the deployment level, uh, you know, in the cloud, all the schedulers that are popping up like Kubernetes and, and Mesosphere, you know, it's all relatively new and, and people are looking, still looking for best practices to how to use all these different tools. So yeah, education is definitely needed. Do you provide any of those or is there any good websites, blog, podcasts when people can learn about these type of technologies in this shift in developer tools? So we, we do write tutorials on how to use uh, Worker, you know, in combination with Mesosphere and, and Kubernetes. So there's definitely tutorials on our blog and on our developer center, so documentation site. Apart from that, I'd say uh, sites like the New Stack are very much into, you know, the, the evolving modern cloud ecosystem, and they have nice uh, nice articles about the different tools and and products that are out there. One of the things that makes, I mean, your story makes me think about is obviously having this type of very agile development tools allows for a better product availability, and that drives back to a lot of probably the listeners as well, the Twitter fail well. <laughs> Everybody was thinking, oh, it stops working. So do you think that shift we're seeing also allows companies to scale in a much easier way without having these type of fails? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, one of the, the reasons, uh, you know, I've, I've never been a developer at Twitter, but you know, what I've heard about it is that they switched from Ruby to Scala, but also building up different microservices, like building different responsible components not only because it scales better, you know, Scala maybe as a, as a programming language, but also because, you know, the, the team got large enough that it makes sense to split up the team into different areas because they need not to step on each other's toes. So, yeah, yeah it, so it definitely it, makes you more agile. Is it a conversation? Is it harder with agencies and especially with larger scale companies? But because the developers might actually agree with you, but how can they relate that to a business person? Because at the same time, you are yourself a business person in, in a certain way. So yeah. how do you explain that in layman's term for them to see the value of moving towards these type of tools? Yeah, so I think it goes back to sort of uh, Mark Andreessen's quote on, on software is eating the world, right? What that means is that Business agility and competitive advantage is determined by software. That that's what it means, right? And you know that also by extension means that developers writing that software are becoming more powerful and more demanding and have more to say within the organization. So I think that's a, a very good argument to make within developer teams towards their sort of leadership and and executive is like, well, if you want to be more competitive, if you want more agility, you know, if you want to be one step ahead of your competition. That means we will have to be, you know, writing better software, and as such, we need better tools. But you also need better people because probably some of our listeners are either founders or thinking about founding a team. And I believe you have a very interesting bunch of people with you, like coming with various backgrounds, very high end. So how did you just go and lead them and then say, "Oh, let's work together"? So our CTO is uh, Andy Smith. And he was previously uh, uh, one of the, well, he has a, a nice history of companies that he worked at. So very early on, he worked on Flock, which was the social web browser back in the, in the old Web 2.0 days. After that, he went to Jaiku that got acquired by, uh, by Google. And within Google, he worked on Google App Engine, uh, which was, uh, is one of their uh, you know, platform as service uh, platforms out there. After that, he was actually one of the co-founders of OpenStack, uh, which mm -hmm. is this, this open source infrastructure as a service platform. But I've known Andy for, I think, like nine years now. We've been friends for a long time. Uh, we met through Barcamp, which is one of the sort of, I guess, the first on-conference uh, yeah. that ever happened. Yeah, and he, you know, he's a developer's developer. And he likes working on developer tools, so he's excited about joining the company. So he joined about last year. And then, um, yeah, other people in the team. So we have a very great designer. You know, that's the reason why uh, everything looks as beautiful as it does. 
so yeah, we got an interesting, interesting bunch of people. Uh, we also are now in two locations, so we're in San Francisco and in in Amsterdam. You have someone from NASA as well. Is that so that, yeah, that's Andy. Yeah, the first version, uh, sort of Nova, which is the the EC two sort of the AWS comparison. He built that at NASA because that they were the there was that was a company organization that wanted to have its uh, its private cloud, and that's what they built for NASA. But that still doesn't tell me how you were able to attract such a talented people because it's it's tough. Uh, so were they? Do you think the, the the vision you had or the tool you had was uh, enough? Well, you know, our mission is to, to change the way developers uh, build and deploy applications, and that you know attracts developers that are interested in making the lives of their peers better. Right? That's the type of people that we that we attract to the company, and that's why they why they joined. To come back to your quote about developers becoming more important than ever, because that's what I'm reading through all you're telling me, you said that one of the fun things about your current job is to look for funding. <laughs> so how are the VCs, and I'm here not talking about Notion, obviously, because they clearly understood what you're doing, but how are the VCs reacting? Do they get what you're doing? You know, Besides the quotes, our software is eating the world by Andreessen, do they actually understand what you're doing? Yeah, I think it's, it's, that's getting better and better. I think a couple of years ago, you know, the way people thought of, of or investors thought about, you know, startups building developer tools is like, well, you know, it's very long sales cycles. That's a very hard problem to tackle. But I think uh, companies like GitHub and uh, Heroku have sort of proven that developer tools are very valuable and developer productivity is getting more valuable. And uh, apart from that, there's also a good buck to make uh, from them. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> so it's definitely getting better. And and I'll finish with that. What, what do you you've seen since you started like a shift? You adapted, you iterated your own startup. How do you see the next three years? Do you think you'll be able to continue on the roadmap you've you've set for yourselves today, or do you think that new tools will come into the market and new ways of, of doing things will come into the market and force you to change again the way of thinking? I think it's undeniable that in the future things will will change again like there will be like this next level of developer abstraction uh, yeah. going on but you know in the meantime definitely containers are the future and it's sort of still early early stakes for all of the players in that ecosystem again sort of not only on the container part but also in the developer tooling part which is us but also on the the deployment side so uh, the orchestration platforms and schedulers out there like kubernetes and, and mesosphere there's still like a whole lot of development to be done to make that whole world better and making the usability especially better so yeah i think for the next three years containers are definitely here to stay and uh, so will we well i hope so are you, are you able to keep track of all these developments um yeah yeah you have to like, read a lot of stuff be uh, you know be active on github uh have a lot of conversations with developers any words of conclusions you want to give any any tips or anything you want to give besides basically of course telling where people can find you uh yeah definitely use worker for all your build and development and deployment needs so <laughs> it's uh w-e-r-c-k-e-r.com sign up and use it and if they want to find you uh, i am m-i-e-s on twitter oh that's an easy one i got that oh, lucky yeah. lucky you yeah. my, my mine is my last name it takes forever to write it everybody actually botches it up when he writes it yeah. well thank you so much Mies. and i encourage people to take a look and i have close and sharp look at uh, what guys like you are doing because yeah. i think it's really the future yeah it's an thank, exciting time thank you so much Mies. thanks I for enjoyed having that me. a lot thank you cheers, cheers. bye-bye